everybody. Welcome to chapter two, should we call it chapter two or episode two, whatever. You're welcome to the Houdat Jedi podcast. And um, just like last week, on one side of me, I've got Dave Gladow. Hello. And sitting next to him is, can I call you Fredo? Go ahead and call me Fredo. All right, because calling you Alfredo is just awkward (laughs) for me. I'm sorry. Um, It's all good. And we have a, uh, another friend joining us today, and he is a uh, fellow 501st member, and he does other things, um, but Ryan Clark. Hey, how's it going this evening? And uh, so, Ryan, real quick, just want you to, so I said you're in 501st, tell me about, or tell everybody what you're, what you go as in 501st, so what's your armor, and then you also do something else. That's yeah, way cool. uh, I do a Darth Vader for uh, the 501st, as well as the uh, really simple Type the type the reserve type pilot, which is basically a flight suit with a hat on. You know, it's yeah. without. And then we also have uh, my wife and I are part of the seven eighty eight, which is a GI Joe themed costume club. And so it's you know it's GI Joe and Cobra on a much smaller level than the five hundred first. But you know we dress up like I dress up like Destro and Wild Weasel and a and Beachhead and a bunch of guys and Elise. My wife does. Uh, Lady J, the Baroness, and we go around and, you know, it's we do charity, toy shows, your, stuff like that. Your your Destro mask looks claustrophobic. It is, but it's oddly, I don't know, I've, and I've actually had this discussion before. It's oddly not as bad as Darth Vader, and I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. Once Elise can get me into it because it's so tight around the neck and the face, it's it's difficult to get on. But once she gets it on, I'm I'm fine. For some reason, I don't know if it's the added space between me and the Vader mask, which makes me a little claustrophobic at times, but weirdly enough, the Destro is an easier wear than huh. the Darth Vader mask. Now you know. Yeah, there now you, go. you know. And knowing us after battle. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we went around the horn last week and just asked how, you know, just how you got into Star Wars. Um, how did you... I think, I think you're a year older than me. So, I think so. Because you said you saw it when you were four years old, four or five years old. Yeah, I'm like 46. That. So, yes, I'm 45. So, it's, I like you, I saw it here. And I think it's pretty much the first distinct memory I ever have of my life. You know, it's, I, I can't think of anything before that. And I know I saw it shortly after it opened here. And to answer the question you guys were talking about, my first figure was the Death Star Trooper. Uh-huh. I think it was... Uh, KB, KB drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I didn't even know what he did. They got him for me before I'd even seen the film. And, I, and he's like, he's got a bowling ball on his head. He's got to be cool. Pew, pew. Uh, and then, never gets out of your system, man. Yeah. You know. I forgot to mention last week, my brother actually is responsible for me being a little bit of a Star Wars geek as well. He took me to my first Star Wars convention. It was a library oh. in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, my goodness. And I remember sitting there in this, it was just in this big room and a bunch of people. They actually, um, we got to see the trailer for um, Return of the Jedi. But they had this trivia contest. And my friend Ed and I were there. And they had this trivia contest that we're like, we have no idea. And everybody, it was like, what's the number of the trash compactor? And everybody <laughs> at once went screamed out in unison, three two six three eight two seven. I, you know, so now I'm one of them. But we're all like, oh my god, this is a level of nerd that I didn't know existed. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was. Were you were you happy to know they now existed, or were you still a bit reluctant to join that level? No, it was it was just cool. It was like, mm-hmm. wow, these people are really into this, you know. And it, it was just yeah. So that was, my brother was 
was big into that. So, so. funny you mentioned brothers because I, I was thinking about it after last week. The one of the first toys I got was a toy lightsaber around the time of Return of the Jedi. So I, I got the toy lightsaber. My so brother, real quick, was it the plastic one? It's like a wiffle ball bat, and when you yeah. it goes wah 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 wah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I got that, and my brother, because he didn't want to copy me, he got the Han Solo blaster, Uh, which prompted an endless feud of, did I block and return a shot at him, (laughs) or did he manage to get one shot past him and hit me, which invariably resulted in me swinging the lightsaber at him way too hard, and of course, (laughs) fighting, and next thing you know, we're both grounded. Yeah, that's that's what you do. It was well worth it, though, right? Exactly, right. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I had one of those wiffle bat lightsabers too. Those things <laughs> yeah. were great. They were. They were big too. They were just like huge to mm-hmm. look. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. So uh, we uh, discussed the first chapter of um, the Mandalorian last week. Um, obviously, then the very next day, the second chapter came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we're going to go around the horn. Just overall thoughts of uh, the second chapter. I'm not going to do a synopsis of what happened. I mean, if you don't know what happened in the ch- second chapter, get Disney Plus and watch it. You know, anyway, it has Yoda baby. But we'll start with uh, our guest Ryan. Um, this is we haven't heard. Go ahead and talk about your chapter one and chapter two. Uh, short stories. I like them both. I like them both a lot. And they they're not perfect. They they do have little things here and there, but. You know, I'm not watching Star Wars for it to be Scorsese or The Irishman or something like that. I just want Star Wars. I want a good Star Wars film. It makes me feel like I'm three years old again. And both of those episodes have done it. So whatever nitpicks I might have, I can put my brain on the shelf and just enjoy for what it is. And it's great. It's amazing. So one of the questions we actually asked last week was, how do you know it's Star Wars? How do I know it's Star Wars? If it didn't have Boba Fett and IG-88 and Yoda Baby... How would you know it's Star Wars? Uh, I, I think there's a particular vibe to it, a particular enjoyment, like a, just an overall fun level to it that you don't... If you watch other sci-fi like Battlestar Galactica or whatever else is out there right now, car, you know, was it Altered Carbon? All of them, Sex of them, Robots. On, they, they all have a particular thing, but I always said Star Wars, when it's done right, has a very particular enjoyment level to a, a funness a, a lightheartedness uh, it, it's almost like you're not eating you're eating a nice fu- full enjoyable meal and afterwards you don't feel bloated you can still run around and live life and enjoy yourself so that's i know that's kind of a abstract concept but for me it's like i said it's the flavoring of it if you take those characters out the flavoring of everything you see lets me know it's star wars lets me know where i can put my brain and what i can expect from it when I'm watching it. All right. Fair enough. Cool. So anything in episode two or chapter two? God, why'd they, why'd they have to mix this up, right? Everything's been episodes for 40-some years. Now they changed the chapters. Because it's not a whole movie. Oh, man. So what, anything in chapter two strike you as, you know, what was the biggest takeaway from that? Jawas. I want more Jawas. Like, the whole episode was kind of like a side quest, basically. And if it was an MMO, it was basically a side quest. You know, and you can go into that as well. But the Jawas, I want more Jawas. I want a spinoff of Jawas. I want it to be Reservoir Jawas, where they roll around town and they just rolled over stuff with their lance, their sand crawler, and they just caused trouble. Because that was, you know, I, everyone can attest, you know, growing up in Star Wars, 
when you see New Hope, it's just a sand crawler and it rolls around every now and again. You get a little bit of view on the inside, a shadow view of the inside, and then any other time you see it, it's just rolling around. But this was your inside at the Jawas interacting with, they're in it. You see the control thing, you see how they act with They're the making crawler. fun of him. They're mm-hmm. making fun of him, like the yeah. Jawas have a personality, and it's like, Give me a job. Get John John Favreau to do a Jawa show. <laughs> that would be great. Fredo. Yep. Chapter two. Uh, first first thought that was that I got was wow this is short. Yes. It's Thirty minutes. Yes. It was actually like almost. You, just to address that real quick, yeah. it's funny you say that mm-hmm. because someone did the thing and it's actually twenty seven minutes of show mm-hmm. and like five or six minutes of credits of credits because so all the international credits for all the dubs and yep. and everything else yeah which i was like well at first my first reaction was really that's all they're gonna give us but <laughs> i i appreciate it because you're right it is a side quest it's the continuation it's the kind of thing that most other shows would have said like this is unimportant this doesn't have to be in this because ultimately it doesn't stop the main story right the the, the plot the what's propelling the story forward is the choices that the Mandalorian is going to have to make with Yoda Baby and bringing him back to uh, the empires, the remains of the empire, whatever he's going to do. Uh, but this was a kind of like a fun side quest where he could, we could go, okay, wait a minute. What would happen if you do leave your nice starship park <laughs> in a bad part of town where the Jawas are rolling? And they're like, well, you left your hot car here. Okay, sure, we'll help ourselves. One of, the, one of the funniest memes I've seen so far is there's the the because um, there's tons of Yoda baby memes mm, now. Yes. One of the fun, it said the air conditioning's on. He's listening to his favorite music yeah. and, and shows Yoda baby inside of a car. It was just yeah. yeah. Was funny. But that's just it. It's the idea of you can because it is a you know a weekly show. You can take those deviations. You can stop the story to go. Okay, he left his car, you know, he left his ship parked in an area that he's unaware of what's going on. He doesn't know what's happening. What would happen? You know, okay, he'd come back and go to Jawas with everything that made his ship a ship. Now, how do you get it back? <laughs> it's, it's like vacation. That's mm-hmm. like who's vacation when yeah. you walk away from the car. Like, yeah, it's just everything's ripped off of it. Exactly. Dave, what'd you think of chapter two? What stood out? You know, like right off the bat, um, I was watching it with Kate, uh, my wife, and we um, we were like, is this Tatooine? Because um, the terrain could have been mistaken for that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a lot of the creatures and characters that we've seen in the original Star Wars, and then all of a sudden we got Jawas, we're face-to-face with Jawas, and they're rolling around in a sand crawler causing mischief. And, and so we're like, are we on Tatooine? Now, ultimately, we f- figured that out. That no, um, uh, I went to um, Wikipedia, and I guess it's Arvala Seven. I don't know if that's mm. the official name now, but um, Arvala Seven. So it's I not. Have, I have spoken. <laughs> I have spoken. I have spoken. It is not um, Tatooine, but um, it was fun going down that path with her because it's like. Well, who would be on Tatooine at this point in the timeline? And my answer was, well, if you believe in the expanded universe, the original one, Boba Fett would be <laughs> probably there in that in play at this point. And so, like, are we going to see Boba Fett? Um, we, you know, we went uh, we went wild with our theories at that point. But uh, you know, it 
the Jawas were amazing. I just to echo what you guys were saying. Um, hilarious. I was overjoyed with pretty much everything that I was seeing, um, especially the egg and the the, the whole egg scene, and it just Suga. cracked me up. Suga, 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 Suga. Yeah, we should. Guys, we should all scream in our wives when eggs just use that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I you know I I loved it. Um, and again, too short. Um, I became keenly aware that we're uh, we're two episodes in, and we only have six episodes left. And right. like yeah. I, I, now I'm sad because I'm really really digging this show so far. Yeah, I you know so. I to to dovetail on it, my my impressions of it. Um, remember, I said last week I said how it started slow, and. It continued slow, and I'm I'm not trying to be cynical here because actually this is like a microcosm of my thoughts of the Last Jedi, because I said last week when you know when I first saw the Last Jedi, am I liking this? And the more I watch the Last Jedi, the more I like it. So the more I've seen this episode, the more I like it. And so yeah, it's a short episode. And here's the other thing: there is no dialogue until eleven minutes in. Until the Ugnaught, Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. says, I thought you were dead. That's the first time, with the exception of Jawa dialogue. Um, but otherwise, there's there's no dialogue. And then they have a little bit of back and forth, and then there's nothing. I mean, so it is like, I, I haven't timed it. I would like to, but there's, there's like, no. That would have been the easiest gig as an actor. It's just, all right, now you're going to get beat up by a rhino. <laughs> you know, not to say it's easy, but I mean, there's there's no lines to memorize, you know, but it's still told a great story. Um, so I was, you know, and I, but I was trying to think, uh, you know, I, I always remember Dave Filoni got crap for uh, the Rebels um, when it was, uh, oh, this is a filler episode. And I could hear the net nerds like saying, OK, we've got our first filler episode. Breathing intensifies. You know, <laughs> so. But it, but it was it was propelling a story for me of there's a couple key things. His armor kept breaking down. He had to give up his weapons, and his ship was all busted up. So, and he stuck with Yoda, baby, and the Ugnaught, really. And so it's like I think the, for this, it's really kind of cool because you're seeing the Mandalorian having to embrace nature and not technology. Because one thing that I found interesting is, you know, the first time he's repairing his, um, after the attack by the other two bounty hunters, he's having to repair his armor, and you're looking at the underside, like, okay, there's more than just plate. It's actually, there's actually technology involved into it and whatnot. And uh, Yoda Baby gets down a couple of times from his little floating crib and tries to, like, use the force to kind of help him, and he keeps putting him back. And it seems almost... He admits that he can't, that his armor and his weapons, like he tells uh, when the Jawas want him to trade his stuff, it's like... He said, yeah, my weapons are my religion. They're part of my religion. Yeah. So the idea of this is how he sees himself. So like it's almost, he cannot forsake or he can't take the easy path out. He's got to take the difficult path, even if it's painful, because I'm a Mandalorian, I must do this. Well, so the other thing that, that struck me is um, when Yoda Baby... Spoiler alert, when Yoda Baby uses the Force to stop the big rhino. Mm-hmm. Um, and Britt and I were just watching this tonight again. I said, notice what's missing? And she kind of looked and I said, the Force theme. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that would be in any of the saga movies or any of the cartoons. When somebody's used, the, you're going to hear the Force theme or the Skywalker theme. You know, but it's it's always been the Force theme. Ba da da ba da da. Would have been perfect. Now he uses the first two notes of it. Right. Somewhere in there, he just uses mm-hmm. first. But there's no otherwise. It's just actually somebody said I was listening to another podcast that it was kind of funny because if you watch it with the subtitles on. It says uplifting music. Yeah, it, is. it did say that. <laughs> as, as, as the rhino's being lifted up. So, but I'm just, anyway, um, but so I'm like, wow, that's interesting. They don't use that. But then the conversation when the Ugnot asks, I think his name's Kewl. Kewl, mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Nolte. When Nick Nolte yeah. says, explain it to me again, he said, I don't quite understand it. And the Mandalorian says, I don't either. So these guys don't really know we're in an era where people really don't know the force is a thing mm-hmm. there's no jedi i mean and if you think about it we all i guess growing up you think that you know luke skywalker everybody knew he was a jedi and that mm-hmm. he destroyed the emperor and it, but nobody knew that if you go fast forward to you know episode seven they're saying i thought that was a myth right mm-hmm. so but here we are you know yoda baby uses the force and there's no force theme but that's reflective of the fact that the Mandalorian doesn't know that the Force is a thing. Well, if even if you look back at the prequels, when at the height of their presence, the Jedi were never thought to be uh, a great number. They were like, people were always like, wow, it's a Jedi. It's supposed to be kind of a rarity. You know, Coruscant aside, where they're all based out of. Right. You know, most people, you don't expect to run into a Jedi. So when they disappear, you know, after uh, Order 66... It's not really an absence for the majority of the galactic citizens because, well, you, if you ran into one, it was a rarity. So the idea of the, uh, I'm trying to think back to like Rogue One when they're discussing the Lost Temple and uh, uh, Chirrutimwe's character, you know, Donnie Yen's character, mm-hmm. the idea of what the Force is. And most of the people around mm-hmm. them are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that's just a few years before The Mandalorian happened. So it doesn't strike me as surprising that he doesn't know. It seems like it's something that has been lost because even at its highest presence, it wasn't that present. So to, to bring this into present day, just real quick, because mm-hmm. um, uh, Britt was telling me about one of her students mm-hmm. who said that, sorry to bring this in, if you want us to edit it out, we can edit it out, but who said just the other day that um, they don't believe, unless there's video of, because they said they don't believe that Shakespeare is that right? Give me yeah. a thumbs up. That shakes. They don't believe that Shakespeare existed, Wait, unless what? unless there's video. They don't believe that any of these. If they can't see it with their own eyes, it's very much that doubting Thomas thing, you know. But if they don't have video proof that this person existed, then I don't believe that they exist. It's kind of the flat earthers, you know, you know gone off the deep you end. Should, you should take that person and put him in a car with the old style roll down windows. And see how long it takes in the middle of summer. And see how long it takes them to figure out how to get the window down. And be like, "That's your Shakespeare bow, you know, right there." But taming of the shrew, right on you. So it doesn't take long for people, you know, to, you know, to forget. Probably, you absolutely. Know. So that okay. So we got around. This kind of leads into our next discussion point. Actually, I'm I'm calling it audible and flipping. Um, we talked about the doctor in in chapter one. Um, and I was reading a blog post on Star Wars Underworld and one of their friends pointed it out that um, so I'm giving credit to them because I didn't notice it but the doctor has a what appears to be a Camino patch 
on his sleeve. So we've got somebody linked to cloners wanting Yoda baby. Wanting him alive. Wanting him alive. Well, so, you know, Vern Hartzog was all... Yeah, Vern Hartzog's like... I you know, understand there are the complications. You know, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but he's trying to stress to the Mandalorian, alive, which maybe cloning is easier alive? So, so, alive, so alive, or, alive or dead... Um, sorry, sorry, Ryan. Uh, you know, alive or dead, but let's just let's just take that for a second that we have cloners going after uh, Yoda, Yoda baby. baby. What what do we think is going on there, Ryan? We can start with you. Well, you can you can say what you're going to say. Real quick, the aside is uh, if you guys remember when the bounty hunters or wherever they are attacked the Mandalorian and the Yoda baby at the beginning, one of them had a fob on them. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's kind of, that's interesting in and of itself. Well, and that, that's going to bring to one of my theories, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's our next talking point right. about who else is going after the Yoda baby. But what? Let's just talk about the Camino part of it, because I think again that doesn't. That's not just. Oh, what? Oh, there's a neat looking patch. Let's put that on there. You know, there's there's a reason for it, Dave. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I I do. After you told me that, I I went back and watched Attack of the Clones just. To make sure like the photo hadn't been doctored or whatever and you're like yeah the the patch the logo it matches up um so which looks like two little sperm right kind of yeah <laughs> i, I, thought, it like, yang, yang, I thought it looked like the symbol pie well, kind head, of it looked like pie to me looks like sperm kind of <laughs> trying to leave its body you can tell which one of us is the father here and which <laughs> one's you know like 3.14 to me but um yeah no i mean it was interesting um I mean, there's an easy conclusion to draw. It's just it, like if that's accurate and that's an Easter egg, and we're meant to notice that, then yeah, they're looking to clone. But yeah, Yoda. if we're gonna clone Yoda baby, I mean, so are you going to make an army of Yoda babies, or I still, I still have to. It goes back to what we we're talking about last week: is that is there going to be a connection to the rise of Skywalker, and is the I, having maybe. The Yoda baby have something to do with the Emperor coming back. Yeah, I think maybe uh, the, the long term goal would be can we clone another army of force sensitive beings to go and slay like we want? Or short term is, well, if that doesn't work, just bring old Palpatine back. I mean, it's like the fallback plan, you know? Because I guess, yeah, you don't know. I know they said that they wiped out all of the EU and that absolutely none of it was canon. But that still leaves a lot of interesting stuff about cloning technology from Clone Wars and stuff that's seeping into what is becoming canon now. So it's, you know, it's like you said, I'm not going to be surprised if when you go see Rise of Skywalker at some point, Yoda Baby makes a cameo and the whole crowd freaks out and runs to the concession stand to buy the Yoda Baby top Coca-Cola. So, <laughs> uh, I was thinking what's, in, uh, what's interesting is go back to episode two. The Army of the Republic, the clone army, is based on a Mandalorian warrior, Jango Fett. So now you have a Mandalorian trying to help cloners. Is Jango Mandalorian? I thought that's been. I Django thought Jango. I thought Jango and Boba are not Mandalorian, Django but they just had the armor. All right. Well, Jango is supposed to be Mandalorian, mm-hmm. um, but then again, you got to remember that came out before Disney Clone Wars kind of turned kinda Mandalorians turned on their head with their background. Right. So yeah, I guess it's a bit ambiguous exactly. Right. Django's like was Django Death Watch because Death Watch was right. completely different than the rest of his race. You know, is is the was where did like does the Mandalorian was, come from? That I was always under the impression that Django was not Mandalorian. 
But anyway, I'm doing a search right now. So right. Google, get it Google figured it yeah, out. But what's interesting, the reason I bring it up is because you have this a lot of the similar element: a warrior dressed in Mandalorian garb, uh, cloners, uh, force sensitives. You know the shadowy hand of the Sith, the Empire, the First Order, whichever we want to call it. Because this is you, you're asking the whatever this little hidden element of the former Empire. Hiding out in this backwater town, desperately looking to get their hands on this very force-sensitive child, and I'm thinking part of the when you saw that fob that the other bounty hunters dropped, I wouldn't be surprised that's Werner Herzog going doubling down because in the first episode, Quill Quill says, "You're not the first who's been coming right. around, and I'm going to help you because I'm tired of all these people just rolling through my valley and ending up killing people." So it wouldn't surprise me if they were sent out there yeah, to like, get them. Like, who are the guys who had the Yoda baby? Who, who are they aligned with, and how did they wind up with the Yoda baby? Because the other interesting thing is the last warrior that uh, the Mandalorian uh, vaporizes, he makes, you know, he ignores the Mandalorian. He's yeah. aiming right for the Yoda baby, and he's not aiming to grab and to run. It's to kill. So it, so that brings us into the next question, is that who do we think is going out? Who's the other... Who else is going after the Yoda baby? Because you say you think it's uh, the client just putting right. money on red and black. Right. Uh, you know, actually, when I, I I started to wonder, well, first of all, the the, the Bosque guys, mm-hmm. what, Trandoshans? Trandoshans, yeah. I'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I said Bosque. Oh, yeah. First, first Star Wars levels <laughs> reducing. Yeah. First time I saw it, I did go, it's Bosque. And then I went, oh, wait, there's another one. That can't be too, that can't be him. But, but I, think, I, I, I cool. think those two guys were in the cantina when when Apollo Creed gave the Mandalorian yeah. the... Because um, the the, the, the they, they cut to him and they kind of look at each other and then scoot out the, the door, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so one of my thoughts was, is the Yoda baby the target? For those others, or are is the Mandalorian the target? So is it um, because you know IG Eleven says that it was quite clear he just said the target's supposed to be you know supposed to be killed. So if there is two people going after it, one wants it alive, dead if we need to be practical about it. But really, they do want it alive. The other one wants it dead. Um, or I'm sorry. Well, anyway, one wants it dead, one wants it alive. But so uh, what I'm wondering though is like, all right, so is Apollo Creed playing two sides of the coin? Yeah, I get and what say you're saying. and saying mm-hmm. that okay, I gave you know I gave your gig to this Mandalorian who is really good. He's going to get the job done. He's going to get the Yoda baby. You're going to want to knock him off if you want that Yoda baby dead. Otherwise, you're not going to. You know, because they made a point saying he's the best. He's blah, blah, blah. So that's why I wonder if maybe IG-11 was just told your mark is going to be at this place at such and such time. Yeah, independent of whether it was um, Chubbs. Um, yeah. Who, yeah. Who Apollo made, Chubbs. <laughs> Apollo Chubbs. <laughs> easy. Just back and forth. Um, <laughs> All in the hips. Yeah, yeah you very easily could have made the Mandalorian the mark just by him succeeding. Like at that point, like he knows too much. So, you got to take him out. Um, not to mention the fact that he's a threat. Um, if he if he was able to acquire the other baby in the first place, he's a threat. So. And really, that theory of mine went out the window. Just like when what Fredo said is that I mean, you see 
the one boss guy goes straight after right. the Yoda baby and with, you know, axe in hand. And then he gets disintegrated, which that was another callback. The whole, I mean, how many people do we see get disintegrated in this episode? Oh, I love episode? the fact that Disney's uh, letting, you know, they're not afraid to shy away. In some ways, Disney plays it really safe with the Mandalorian so far, which I don't fault him for. But in other ways, like when, when he's just vaporized, oh, it's beautiful. When he's just vaporizing the Jawas with that <laughs> thing of his, you know, just <laughs> wiping them out and they're just poof. I'm like, whoa, Disney. Wow. That's my set of bucks right there. <laughs> Some more of it. But uh, I think you're right. I think, I don't think he's a target. I think, uh, I don't think we're going to get a lot of wheels within wheels with, with this plot, but there's going to be those basic. Star Wars backstabbings. Like, I'm sure Chubbs, Apollo Creed, you know, when he took off his red, white, and blue he wants his money. trunks. Yeah, I'm sure he sent a bunch of guys out. And, you know, the Mandalorian at some points could be, oh, I trusted you, Chubbs. And Chubbs like, I gotta, gotta get the job done because I'm the bounty hunter guild dude. But you know, so. remember, even in the first episode, they said there's not, this many, there's not that right. many jobs. People are not paying guild right. rates anymore. Right. So uh, it seems like, market. you know, the liberation of the galaxy has been bad for business. Yeah. So when people get stretched, people start doing all sorts of things. Yeah. Now, for the record, too, Django Fett, uh, Mandalore regarded him as a renegade and pretender. So that doesn't clear it up. Only if he was with the Death Watch, technically. Then, he or, may he may have been, or yeah. he may have been unaffiliated with Mandalore Which completely. Which makes sense, because if and, you look at it, look at how easily Boba went down in the movies... <laughs> and how skilled the Mandalore, the Mandalorian. And you know what? That's another point right there. I like, I hope, I hope there are Boba Fett fanboys who are getting tears of anger because they wanted the Mandalorian to be this ultra bad bleep killing machine that just slaughters everything without any complications. And what we get is basically the Indiana Jones of Mandalorians mm-hmm. who is just getting beat on every five minutes. Like, I love the fact that he gets hit so much and he's always getting beat on. Like, he is not. A super killer who just wipes out everything he touches. Actually, he wipes out any human he touches. He has a definite problem with animals. Yeah, large animals. animals. I thought this episode should not be called the child. It should be called the Mandalorian's bad day. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the guy got his butt kicked like constantly. Like nasty. So, real quick, this wasn't on our agenda, but what are, what were some maybe because we talked about you know an Easter egg hunt, um, you know some things that I noticed in this was. Um, like I still, I still saw one shot when he was climbing up the sand crawler, that it looked like the '60s Batman, you know, where he, it, it, you could turn, I could turn my iPad on the side, and then you know, and of course, then the Jawas are, you know, looking out the window, just like you know, like there would be Sammy Davis Jr. or whatever looking out the window. <laughs> um, the other thing I saw was, um, it seemed like when he's crawling up the sand crawler, it, it struck me as Monty Python when the French are chucking the. You know all the livestock over the edge. You know, Holy Grail. Yeah, it just it it just seemed like the Holy Grail just chucking all that stuff. Yeah. So what other what other like callbacks did you guys see, or maybe homages or anything? Did anything? Because you know, there was the Indiana Jones. There homage. was the Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah, that shot when the the wall of you know yeah. is coming right out of me. Yeah, all we needed was the Jawa inside doing the hand motions. Which, by the way, I will tell you, in two five hundred first guys here, you know how you know this is Hollywood fiction. Is because you ever see anybody in armor? Nobody runs that fast in armor. <laughs> no. Now I know the Boba Fett guys have it a little bit easier because they they can bend their legs and stuff, but nobody's running that fast in that armor. But anyway, so Indiana Jones, Indiana what other? Jones, uh, of course, yeah. The the whole last sequence against the big rhino that no, they're taking the the beast, the rabbit, 
from Monty Python. It looked like the cave of Carbanard. The Carbanard, you know. <laughs> when he's gonna Even chuck. the bones. They had look at yeah. the bones. <laughs> they had the ugnaught, but like, look at the fangs on that thing. We needed the holy hand grenade. That's all yeah. they were missing at yeah. that point. <laughs> That's right. Now, Dave, you mentioned, you said, what did you think about, the, you were talking about the music last week. What did you think oh, about yeah. the music uh, this week? Zach, I know I'm calling another audible here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it a whole lot more. I mean, like, honestly, um, we talked about the composer having um, great credentials coming into this. And uh, the, the final theme that plays over the credits, um, I really like that a lot. And I know that people have drawn comparisons to Rocky. There, there moment. There's like a moment of crescendo where it's like, which does have some rocky beats in it. And and so like, yeah, I see that comparison. What do you think? What do you think about the music when? Okay, so right is the very last shot when the when he's taking off and he goes into space, right before the Yoda baby wakes up. I liked it. See, I thought it sounded way too heroic. Oh yeah. It it sounded too much like. Almost sounded too much like the end of Rocky, you know. It's like he hasn't he hasn't established himself as the ultra major key positive hero. He's still an anti hero, you know. He's still he's still slaughtering Jawas. He's, <laughs> he's still he Rob who, who who just you know took his hubcaps. I mean, he's taking. No, he didn't just take his hubcaps. They took his hubcaps, well, his I'm, engine, his but alternator. I'm, but, I'm, but I'm saying it's not. It's not like. It's not like he's got the moral high ground on everything mm. here. But they have so this. You know, it sounded just way too, way too major key, way too heroic at the end. I think it fit within the tone of the whole episode, though. Like it, it was all very. We we talked about the Monty Python, um, jocular and. Um, fun and adventurous and the Indiana Jones comparisons right. and it's it, um, it very light. Yeah, maybe see, in fact because he's had such a day they're like let's give him a nice sweeping right. score to see, see him out. See and I yeah. you know I understand you know bringing it John Williams isn't going to la- live forever. Right. But, oh you stop. Yeah. Don't even <laughs> say that. Don't even say that in but, jest. But here's the thing is that you know the way that they view that music has been used in Star Wars I would like for example, when you see the sand crawler for the first time, to have a, a hint of that music from Episode Four, because that's what that's what operas do. You know, it's like when a when the a familiar character, yeah, the light motif. When a familiar character comes on, or a familiar thing, or a situation, you get a little glimpse of that music. And I think make ninety nine percent of it original, but when the sand crawler comes on, have a little bit of that, you know, that music that we heard in Episode Four. When, you know, um, there's going to be other, you know, things come up, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's important um, because that's one of the things when you say, how do you know it's Star Wars? I think it is for me is like is the music aspect. There's right. always that connective tissue. And that's what I'm worried now because, you know, it's, John Williams needs to be, you know, taking you care of something with him. Because, like, for instance, as much as I love the Rogue One. The score for Rogue One was, uh, it was like being punched in the face with a musical note. <laughs> but the movie was, but you're right. There's only, John, when John Williams does Star Wars, it's wonderful. And he is Star Wars. And if he ever dies, it'd be tears. Oh, yeah. It'd be a lot of tears. Because you're not just talking Star Wars, you're talking basically yeah, every like everything. Every movie from like 1975. Yeah. <laughs> everything you grew up on. Exactly. <laughs> it was scored by John Williams. Right. But, I, but I, think, I think that's really important in Star Wars is to have that, again, that connective tissue. That's, mm-hmm. why, that's why I was surprised Yoda Baby's using the Force 
and I was like, you're not hearing the force theme. And I was kind of let down. But then I maybe I just kind of matrixed it in myself. But then you hear two notes, the first two notes. And it also, two, it also makes sense within the story, like I said. Maybe they're giving Yoda Baby his own theme because he's going to be such a major player. Well, I think there are two possibilities that, that really jump out at me. One of them is like rights issue. Like you have to cough up coin to John Williams every time he uses music. You know, like, are there issues of, of a financial concern there? Um, secondly, I really feel like they're trying to break new ground here. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that's a lot of the reason that they make a lot of the stylistic choices that they do. But I think you can do that. It's like the solo score. You know, the solo score was 99% original, but then all of a sudden when they're flying through um, the, the Kessel Run, you get a little bit of the asteroid, um, right? you know, theme. So... There, or when you saw the Star Destroyers, you saw, you know, the blockade, you heard bomb, bum, bum, bum. You know, you heard that from, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be, you know, re- just take your favorite track from, okay, we're on right. something that looks like Tatooine, so let's just play all that music. But it's those familiar things that I think that helps to, and then it's, and it's again, it's kind of like episode seven, like I said, it's, you have Luke, Han, and Leia there to make everybody feel comfortable so that they, will buy into Poe, Finn, and Ray. It's the same thing. I mean, music does that as well. It's like, okay, this is familiar to me. All right, now I'll listen to the other 99% of your of your new music. But you know what I'll say? I'm, I don't and know. And I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. It's, it's why every band, before they play their original tune, they play Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> because you're going to get the crowd going, yeah, Brown Eyed Girl, I love it. And then we're going to play Brown something Eyed. original. Don't stop believing. Fine, you know. Yeah, it's like... The bathroom. So anyway, Fredo. No, I was gonna say um, no. Uh, I don't know if you ever played too. How many video games, Star Wars video games, you played during the nineties or two thousands? One of my callbacks, by the way, that whole uh, Sandcrawler sequence uh-huh. that was straight out of Super Star Wars from Nintendo. <laughs> I hate that, I hate that level. <laughs> yeah, so I hate that level. Anyway, go ahead. No, no, because uh, particularly like I'm thinking like the Dark Forces Jedi Knight series. They tended to do that a lot. They tended to oh, we're gonna, we're gonna give you an asteroid sequence. Boom, here comes the asteroid field. field yep. You're in a sand uh, planet, here comes the Tatooine field. So it can be a crutch. And I think you have to strike a balance between saying, yeah, we want to give you those warm, happy feelings of remembrance of saying, oh, yeah, this feels like Star Wars. While at the same time, not making it feel like, oh, we're just giving but you I'm not, I'm not talking about just. I'm not talking about let's play you know, a minute's worth of music. I'm saying all it takes is three notes. Mm-hmm. You know, bum bum ba-dum. but dum, boom! Specific Vader. You know, but I'm saying it's like all you would have to do is have a bassoon playing like a couple notes from what was in Episode Four, and it would have made 46 year old Aaron turn you know four again. But ah, oh, there it is. You know, it's 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 Pavlovian, and it but it la- it gets you in, and so I think that's one of the things about Rogue One that that bothered me was we talked about it before was the the intro music, mm-hmm. it seemed it felt like Spaceballs. It didn't seem like Star Wars to me. And, and on the flip side, play devil's advocate to that. What it might be is not so much. A, what do you want to make this an interesting podcast? I have to make this interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my, I'm gonna throw my hat into the ring. So I'm wrong. Um, you know, Favreau is a very creatively. Um, fluid type of guy. Filoni's the same way. They believe in letting artists do, sort of do their thing and get in the way and stay out of their way while they're doing it. And a part of me thinks that, you know, this guy who's doing the, the music for uh, 
Mandalorian. He's got he's a good he's a good composer. He's got a lot of hits under his belt, right? He's, yeah. He knows what he's doing, and there could be the fact that you know, like you said, they're saying we don't want to we don't want to revisit the same things and do the same things, and at the same time. Maybe this guy doesn't want to put that in. Maybe he wants to he wants to make his own score, you know. And they're they're giving him the creative freedom to do so without forcing him to say, "Well, you have to put, let you know, we're going to do a Yoda baby theme, but you have to put a few notes of the Force in there." Where if he does that decision himself, that's fine. But they're kind of just, they, you know, Pedro's doing his thing and Nick Nolte's doing his thing, and you're the music guy. You do your thing. So then I'm going to argue with you here again. So okay, so it would have been similar to if. I mean, thank God John Williams is alive because if episode seven, eight, or nine, let's say seven, eight has John Williams music and nine doesn't, then I mean, there's a lot of people our age who are really ticked off, and it's kind of like Carrie Fisher dies. So, do we have somebody else all of a sudden? Here's a new Princess Leia, you know, even though it's Princess Leia, but it's a different actress. I mean, so I think with Star Wars music, I yes, it need, it needs to be original from movie to movie. But there needs to be familiarity. There needs to be connective tissue. There needs to be, it needs to sound enough like John Williams that it makes you feel comfortable. And that I, I think, because I think it's just as much of a character in the movie as Harrison Ford is Han Solo, as Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, there's, yeah, so I mean, that's. Anyway, that's I, w- I won't agree or disagree with that as a statement. Like, and again, I I think all of us here are just giant fanboys of John Williams. Um, but the one I'm thing, say something uh, very controversial to all the <laughs> yeah. fans out there, but I will be more sad when John Williams dies than when Carrie Fisher dies. And, and pretty much, yeah, yeah, same for me. Pretty much, me, yeah. but I don't have any celebrity. See, I know, she's looking at me, but I don't have like CDs of Carrie Fisher talking. In my musical selection. Whenever a celebrity dies and, and friends around me get sad, I'm like, that's how I'm going to be with John Williams. That's I have exactly, a very, exactly. Very when they're doing the Kurt Cobain. Anyway, so you, you said know. you're not going to disagree or agree, but. But I will say this I think, like, they've made the conscious decision to go away from it. Um, and I think that's obvious at this well, point. And, and again, I totally agree with that. that it, yeah. it, can't be, it can't be a rehash, it can't be. You know, we're gonna bring in a you know a new lead singer and just make you think that it's Steve Perry from Journey. You know, no, it's not. Do your own thing, but you know, it's you you gotta play the hits. Bryce so Dallas. What if, what if then? What if then? This has all been a setup, and come the final episode, Yoda Baby's cutting loose, and he's just Yoda Baby and everything, and then they throw those notes in like a final payoff. How do you feel then? I'd be fine. Pop them in reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. No, it's fine. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard uh, was recently quoted, uh, apparently, she, like, she's about this. One of the, some of the yeah, she's going to do uh, chapter four. That's impressive. And um, she said that she was given a lot of free, creative freedom by mm-hmm. Favreau and company yeah. to, to put her own stamp and, on it. And apparently Ron Howard was flabbergasted by this. You know, Filoni's one of the showrunners with Favreau. And Floney was the only guy, was one of the only guys who could push back against George over Lucasfilm. When George would bring up something ridiculous, Floney couldn't say that's we're not doing that, George. That's stupid, and he'd get away with it. So, but, but I think, you, but you know why that is? It's again, I'm going to take it back to the band thing. It's like if you ever go and listen to a rock band, um, 
if they play, unless you like have been following that band or you're in the mood to listen to all original stuff, you lose an audience because they've come to the they've come to the club because they want to hear they want to hear they want to hear Van Halen they want to hear ACDC they want to hear you know Brown Eyed Girl, and so you do those things to hook them, and then you're like we're gonna throw in this thing that we like that we wrote. We're gonna, next time we're going to throw in two more. So Dave Filoni did a lot of things that George Lucas wanted him to do. And then when you when you say, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And then about the third time you say, no, I disagree with that one. It doesn't sting as much because he's agreed with a lot. So all I'm saying, I, I don't disagree with you at all that I, I think the music needs to move forward. And we're all going to have to get over it because Star Wars is here for a while. And again, Star Wars is never going away. But and it's there's going to be other composers. But to me, one of the things that makes Star Wars Star Wars is that the music feels like Star Wars. If anything took me out of Rogue One and took me out of Solo, oh. it was because some of the music Solo did better with the score than Rogue One did. But anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on to another thing real quick. Because can I make one last can I just point? Say yes. Yeah, no, go, go for it. Because this is a great discussion. I like this topic. Um, each of the directors, in my mind, at least from what Bryce Dallas Howard has said and what others have said, is that each of the directors of the individual episodes are being given a lot of creative freedom, right? So there's nothing to say that in future episodes, again, like final episode, it right. may be you know Yoda baby, you know using the Force theme and Darth Vader music and everything else. Um, and it could be emotional and fabulous. Um, chapter three could have, <laughs> have those notes in them. We just don't know yet. Um, but for cha for chapter two, if we're looking just specifically at this episode, I like what they did because of the quietness um, that you were talking of with I the agree. dialogue. Um, there was just there was it called for a reserved approach. Um, I think, and again, there was there was still a lot of comedy and a lot of lightheartedness, um, and those final notes at the end, I think, were kind of a a nod to that. But um, for me, anyway, it worked. It it feel it feels like it, it feels like cowboy music. Yeah. Through most of the episode, mm -hmm. we talked about it last week. Yep. Uh, I will say, however, chapter three better not have as much damn walking. Because we're getting into Lord of the Rings territory with the amount of walking that we have in these two chapters. So if trees start walking, then I might, the next week's podcast might be interesting. Anyway, Look, so. Real quick, just want to say this. I think you guys are overlooking the most important fact of the second episode slash chapter, and that since you confirmed for me that they were not on Tatooine with, the, with, these, past, with these past two episodes, that Jawas, like, what are they, a space-faring race? Do they yes. just get, like, do, do they do people, are they, like, tribbles where they get They're like hijacked? nutria. They're nutria. Yeah, people they bring them in. Else and yeah. they're like, we're here, let's build a sand crawler. Like, they're a space-faring race. Yeah. That, that's amazing. I thought they just lived on Tatooine forever, yeah. but no, they're out there. The world can, just got bigger. Can you it's imagine, like can you imagine a Jawa space cruiser? Right. Something like, say, like an old dilapidated Star Destroyer. But Jawa. I'm, gu I'm guessing they're. I'm guessing they're all. About this. And I'm guessing they're all smoking pot while they're. You right. Know, exactly. They're, they're, Jawas. Right. If there's any Star Wars character that smokes pot, it's Jawas. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're driving around on frays. Because yeah, they wanted it. That's all they wanted. <laughs> they wanted <laughs> to. They had the munchies. Sukas. They're looking for some yeah. guys. So, 
So, all right, I, I want to throw this uh, thing out because um, the the actress that plays the armor, mm-hmm. the Mandalorian armor, uh, her name is Emily Swallows, and she said she posted a picture of um, her character from I think it was the the first chapter, but anyway, says in her Instagram post says meet the armorer. The covert leader of the Mandalorian clan in hiding, she's held in highest esteem and is regarded as the keeper of the old traditions of Mandalore. She is an expert in Beskar foundry work and will help the Mandalorian repair and improve his armor. And she knows more than she lets on, dot, dot, dot. So, a couple things that stuck out with me there was the covert leader of a clan in hiding. That's why I go back to wondering if the Mandalorian is the mark. Why would the Mandalorians be in hiding? Well, what's interesting is he walks when he gets from place to place in, a, in chapter one. He's walking like there's no reason for him to hide. He's just a Mandalorian. At the same time, though, when he goes to visit the armor in the foundry where he brings the Beskar steel that she makes the pauldron out of that, that is... Deep on the ground, secluded. There's kids running around, so it's clearly meant to imply, okay, we are in hiding. And then from the brief flashbacks, which, as an aside, I was surprised they had two different instances where the Mandalorian gets knocked out, and I was certain that they were going to get another brief cut flash right. to to his, the situation with his parents mm-hmm. that we didn't. I was like, okay, fair enough. But we get that in chapter one, and I was wondering, okay, um, is he somebody that? is not necessarily being sought after because of his Mandalorian heritage, or is this now, you know, is this clan hiding from other Mandalorians? You know, that's, who is, who is, who are they hiding from? We're going to have to go and watch the Clone Wars episodes. Exactly. Now and see exactly if there's some kind of subtle tie-in there mm-hmm. with that, because that's a good question. Why are they hiding, you know? Mm-hmm. And once again, is it a budgetary or a story reasons? But I, it was weird that, okay, so in episode one, he goes and he talks to, Apollo Creed and gets a job and then he walks down the street to so the Bounty Hunter Guild is obviously has a big presence on this planet then he walks down the street and talks to Vern Herzog and Vern Herzog's with his stormtroopers and he's a imperial, an ex-imperial moth or something so obviously they've got a big presence on this planet and then he walks down the street again passes the Kowalki and monkeys who are getting barbecued oh. and he goes to the hidden <laughs> secret dangerous Bounty Hunter Mandalorian lair so either this is one of the most compacted areas of scum and villainy in the galaxy and there's a reason for it or they're just saving on money and sets so I I thought that was interesting but Mm -hmm. it brings up the point if you're hiding why are you hiding down the street from people who an imperial moth with a bunch of rogue stormtroopers yeah so you know and that that is the thing you know the the last season of the Clone Wars is coming out um, in February Mm -hmm. Yep. And they said that one of those episodes is going to be the Siege of Mandalore, which I, I think is the, is, I don't know, did the Separatists or the, the Republic go after Mandalore? I'm going to say probably the Separatists because, unless something turns on its head, because remember, Obi-Wan has that really excellent relationship with the well, Ambassador. And of course, in, in Rebels, um, the Mandalorians are right. in league with the Empire. Mm-hmm. At least some of them. Yeah, the the they have a figurehead in place who's kind of ruling right. the overworld. Yeah, and but I, I find Mandalore. that, it, is that so again that yeah. so again that brings me back to you know 
was the Yoda baby the mark for IG-11? Or since, you know, and the Bosque people, because, you know, um, if if the Mandalorians are in hiding, that means somebody's out to get them. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be, like you said, I, I mean, just given his association with the Yoda baby at this point, he could become a mark. But, like, to your point, I think that you're making now, um, is is he himself potentially mm-hmm. on the run? Uh, or, or or might be, um, and it has nothing to do with the with the Yoda baby. So if he takes off his helmet and he's Boba Fett, I'm gonna break my television. I'm never gonna watch a Star <laughs> so, Wars film the for thing the is, rest of my life. The thing is, is like it's too obvious. The the I know Occam's Razor or whatever that would it is. Be, uh, that would be it's, too it's, it's just obvious. it's just way too obvious that there are two people going after the Yoda baby. There's gonna be some wrench thrown in. That that's why I'm wondering if, because it looks like oh there are two people going after the old baby maybe it's not maybe the Mandalorian one is one. a mark. And it could be and look it could be. What's interesting is from that description that uh, Emily Swallows gives, you know the idea of a clan, the idea of you know the Mandalorian maybe yeah, they're barely clans. Maybe yeah, it's another clan that's yeah. hunting this Mandalorian. Maybe they've you know. I don't necessarily yeah. think that they would, then, you know. Because to beat the dead horse, technically the Death Watch was a separate clan. Right. In the right. history of Mandalore, so right. it could be competing clan, you know. Yeah. And then it goes back to the question, are they going to, it would be completely obvious, but is there some sort of tie to, to the Fets, you know? Is there, mm-hmm. is, does Fet have a clan? Is there some sort of tie to to and the Mandalorian and his clan, you know? To, D- to Dave's point about the music. I think what would upset me more, what I've liked so far is that, like you, and I think you said it too, is that the Mandalorian is not Boba Fett. Right. I love that. And I think that's what, if all of a sudden Boba Fett has something to do with it or the Fets have something to do with this, that would make me go, oh. The most, <laughs> the most incestuous galaxy far, far away. That's right. It's as big as a galaxy that's so, five people in exactly. D- Darth Maul has uh, tie-ins with Mandalore. Too, oh. so. He does? <laughs> I know yeah. I know that he died though. So I think officially officially has died at yes. this point. So. That's, that's one of those things because if you go back to uh, the EU before they wiped it all out, like how much are they taking? Because before even Karen Travis, whatever her name is, when before she turned the Mandalorians into these super amazing Navy SEAL people, like guys just fell over themselves to read. Uh, if you go back like Knights of the Old Republic with Bioware, mm-hmm. one of the tenets was was that Mandalorians weren't so much a race as they were people who were adopting other people who had been subjugated somehow. Like the Mandalorians, Mandalorians would raid a planet, and once they took over the planet, they would take the, the best fighters. They would take the children that were left who were orphaned, and they would invite them into the clan themselves and turn them into Mandalorians. Right. And that's when, you know, that's... Yeah, you're right. Thinking back to those games, notes. It was an interesting twist because they yeah. said it was less something to do with bloodlines. It was more cultural. Right, which, right. Cultural. Again, place like of the Greedo, like a Greedo could be. That a is a order. that is a perfect segue right now. Perfect <laughs> to our next to our next topic. Um, Not Mad Yoda baby, right? No. Uh, so Disney Plus has most of the Star. Well, they have all six, all, all, right? All, yeah, they have. Original, original trilogy, sequel. prequel trilogy, uh, uh, Force Awakens. 
right. Did because, I did Last Jedi? Because yeah, Netflix, Netflix still yeah. has Last Jedai. They don't have and all so the Marvel. Marvel. They don't have all the Marvel films. Either. So we no. we have an interesting thing here. If you haven't heard it yet, is that um, we have yet another change up to the um, Han Greedo Cantina uh, face off, and it is the infamous McClunky. McClunky. Uh, so uh, well, hopefully this will work. I'm going to try this. Uh, but we'll just listen to it here. Uh, I don't have it with me. Tell Java. I'm a high teaching. Stonkuruye pulyanya uruans patika kushunku umponwatripi. Even I get boarded sometimes. Do you think I had a choice? Java. Pupa. Kupakni atapampa. Over my dead body. Uhle nyuma. It hurts me so much. That is awful. I think we're all in agreement. That is just bad. What, 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 would, what would Greedo be saying right there? Oh. McClunky. What do you and think that is? Do you think that's Rodian for... Um, McClunky. I, I don't know what it is. It just is. Shoot me. Shoot me. That's what he says. Kill me now. I'm, That's. I'm going to take the slowest time ever to shoot you. Shoot me first. Oh, you know, and like we were talking earlier, they say that, uh, who is it? As, um, Pablo Hidalgo said that what the thing is, is that there are a bunch of edits that Lucas had where he messed around with New Hope. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those edits that was sitting in the vault. And I don't know why of all the edits... That's the one that Disney put on the service. So, I, I, I want to say, you know, please don't let it be George saying, take this one. Or maybe it was George saying, take this one. You know, you know what, what's always killed me about A New Hope? Yeah. He's always been so adamant about going back and fixing that scene, which had nothing wrong from day one. No, no, it was perfect. It was yeah. perfectly timed. It gives you a perfect window into the character. And I had no problem. Movie. I had no problem loving Han Solo. Yeah. I mean, even though he gunned Greedo, I got it. But he, he was. Yeah. He is not necessarily. There the, was nothing wrong with that scene. Should never be touched. Yeah, the, you know, he was not the black hat. He was not the white hat. He was the gray hat. He was. I'm looking for number one, which is why it makes this you know turn around at the last minute to come save Luke so poignant. Does McClunky make it worse though? It does. Yes. Does it? Yes. It does. <laughs> yeah. Like you know that that reminds me of, of like they were having it was they were doing digital post production or whatever, and it's right before lunch, and the guy overseeing it's like you're not going anywhere until you dub something into Greedo, so you better think something up. And he's like, maybe McClunky. No, maybe Greedo wow. saw his Irish friend walk in, <laughs> McClunky, and then <laughs> gets shot. The thing that kills me, it doesn't yeah, even McClunky, sound. McClunky, the other famous. Smuggler of the Star Wars universe. It doesn't even sound like the same actor or the same voice actor. It's not like they went back and overdubbed right, all the right, other lines right. so it could fit. It sticks out like a really bad sore thumb. Dave, you don't think it's that bad? <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry, it is. Like, like I'll tell you, I've always felt like if you were going to go back to mess with anything in any hope, maybe the Escape from the Death Star to kind of change some of the digital effects around, kind of make it more like the Battle of Yavin. That could have been interesting. So the TIE fighters weren't flying like they were going 20 miles an hour in a school zone? Basically, yeah. basically. And, and the Millennium Falcon is not just, you know, driving around like a hamburger or pizza in slow motion. Yeah, like just listed lazily to the left. Exactly. You know, like if you want to make, you know, mess with that, I would have been all right with that. There's no reason for number one, touch that scene way back when to make, you know, reduce, you know, shoot first. There's no reason to go back and fix it so I both shoot at the same time. Just put it back the way it was. It worked. 
Those yeah. changes are over 20 years old now. Exactly. Oh my God, exactly. that's ridiculous. Yes, oh. it is. <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm still yet anybody... I've yet to hear anybody still go... Still haven't gotten over it. Yeah, I've yet to hear anybody go, you know what, they improved the, they improved the movie. That is one thing. It tells you something that of all the changes, I mean, okay, maybe... What was the name of the song in Return of the Jedi they added? The big rousing oh, number? They really had the one in Oh, Palace Jedi Rocks. Yeah, exactly. Outside of that one. That was like... Oh, that was awful. Okay. And then at but, the end, they changed like everybody singing some chords. Right, instead of Yub Nub. Yeah, they took yeah. away Yub Nub. I'd see that one. Didn't bo- that one didn't bother song. me. Exactly, didn't bother me. Either. You know, but outside of that, Jedi Rocks, I think that's the one change that everybody to this day still goes back and goes, "We didn't need to do that." No, that the one in Jabba's Palace that was stupid. Yeah, it was. Uh, the one I've I've argued. My brother gets on my case because he's a big Yub Nub fan. And mm-hmm. I like Yub Nub. I, I liked it too, but it makes sense the the change in the music because it's a little bit more. It's, a, it's a little bit more reflective. It's a little bit more. You know. Um, it's you know it's less Ewok dance party, more like. Oh, sorry, we're gonna have to bleep that part out. <laughs> I'll be all right. You not, not safe you for the word. Right. Uh, but you know it's uh, man, this has been a long haul. We just beat the empire. It's like if that happens, you're you're not gonna start dancing around. You're gonna go. <sighs> you know, so I, I actually was okay with that. The Jabba's Palace thing one was stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was ridiculous. So, so do you think? So do you think the McClunky thing was on purpose? Do you think it's like we loaded the wrong one, and now all of fandom figured it out? And do you think McClunky is going to be there in a in a week and a half? I, that's what I want to see because I think there might be. I'm I want to cross my fingers and say that maybe it was a mistake. Because that's just, like you said, it's such a ridiculous scene. And it sounds like the sound work wasn't finished on it because it no. doesn't sound like, you know, it's obviously, it's it's like you watch the, the clip, it's it doesn't fit. So I'm hoping it's a mistake and Disney is quietly going to change it when you're not, they're going to change it like 3 a.m. and no one's going to notice until the next time someone watches it and catches it, you know. Or Kathleen is just going to be like, suck it up, nerds. This is what you get. <laughs> you know so. what, what I'll say about all those changes, too, is like none of them really bothered me that much. I mean, I could see what people's points were. Like, you're screwing with our movies. Um, until the Blu-rays came out and the Darth Vader no oh got my God. added to yes. the Return of the Jedi. Yes. You mean got, when they got uh, attached to the Emperor? Yeah. Part oh. of my soul died when they added <laughs> that note. And I've, I've never been... I've always took, I've always taken the argument uh, that it's George Lucas's work. And if right. he wants... He wants with if it. If he, he can do what he wants with it. However, I do know from my, my own experience in seventh grade shop class that the more you keep carving at this little piece of wood, you know, you eventually it's going to break. Eventually, it's going to look like crud. You know, it's like you got to stop while you're ahead. And, you know, somebody's somebody's just got to say to George, no, stop, stop. Uh, you know, it, but the McClunky thing, it'll be interesting to see if that's still there. So, um, no. All I'm going to say is there's a reason there's a drink at Galaxy's Edge called the Yum Nub. That's right. There is not a drink called... There is not a McClunky. There's a Yub Nub. If a McClunky does show up, then you know. Then you know it's intentional. That'd be ever clear. That's going to go up with the Rise of the Resistance. When they open it up, they're going to say, hey, it's a McClunky. So I have a little bit of a... I, I'm throwing a wrench into things here. I got a little bit of a Rise of Skywalker discussion here. 
I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's not. It, it can't be a spoiler because they've already released the toy. Because the whole movie uh, is spoiled. So, so already. I have. I have something. So hold on a second. Did you buy something? Did you buy a toy? I did. <laughs> oh, this. This is the discussion we're having. Oh Lord. Oh, folks at home. So no! this is. This is. Oh, oh no. So, oh so Ryan, go ahead and explain what you're holding there. So what Aaron has just handed me is the Battle Ready f- f- a Baptism of Fire Born in the Pits of Hate and Destruction C-3PO armed with a bowcaster and Chewbacca's bandolier ready to slaughter hapless Imperials and whoever else gets in his way. When, when I saw this... I was like that. I mean, because I don't, I don't collect the oh the God. the the black series I mean, nice six figure. inch six inch figures. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I saw this one with C three PO with Chewbacca's bandolier and bowcaster. I'm like, I have to have that. So now it begs the question: Why does C three PO have Chewbacca's bandolier and bowcaster? And you by the way, he came. And by no. the <laughs> by the way, he came with the little uh, a little. Um, the little dude who's fixing his wiring in the back of his head, Babu Frick or something. I think yeah. is his name. Anyway, so do you want to know what I what I've heard, or or just leave it up to your imagination? Imagination. Yeah, I mean, you can pass it off as it's your imagination. I suppose <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to know any different. Let's just, from what I've heard, it's base. It, it's going to fall down to some sort of wiring mishap. Like they turn up his aggressiveness or something like that, and he goes all. Are we are we going to get a, a flashback to episode two? You know, three PO slash battle droid. I think it'll probably be something <laughs> Die, like Jedi that. Die Jedi scum. Could be fun. That could be fun. I think it's. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, the the implications and connotation he has regarding the bandolier and the bowcaster are too horrific and tragic to contemplate at this moment. So yes. We'll, maybe so they we will like, not go any further into that. Maybe they were just getting tired of Anthony Daniels and they go, we got to kill C-3PO. How, how can we do it? <laughs> I'm glad they're doing something with him, to be yeah. honest. To watch the trailer and, you know, he's, I'm going to say goodbye at this point. This is such a touching moment oh. for C-3PO, mm-hmm. who's had none of that to this point. And um, I'm like, yeah, bring that on. I mean, it was kind of weird at first. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wait. I'm, I'm almost crying here watching C-3PO, but it's like, okay, yeah, he finally deserves it. So let's do some interesting stuff with him. Why not? But I, again, I'm just trying to trying to put my my head into a scene where C-3PO is... You know what it's going to be? He's going to be the Yoda in Clone Wars, in Attack of the Clones. That's what it's going to be in in Rise of Skywalker. There's going to be a scene where he just picks up the bowcaster, and he's going to slaughter like a whole platoon of, of First Baby Order. Yodas. Of Baby Yodas. That'd be even better. <laughs> First, First Order, Order Baby Yodas. Yeah. Like the Mandalorian walks in and goes, the Mandalorian Yoda walks in and he goes, what's up? He's like, ow. And everybody's going to be cheering. Yeah, and everyone's going to be cheering at that point. So. But I, I, I think this is actually kind of a brilliant piece of marketing. Because you have, there's nothing that you can, unless you're listening to spoiler heavy, you know, podcasts, things like that, which obviously we are not, but there's no frame of reference for this. Oh but, yeah. But well, we do, but we do know because again, this isn't like a leaked picture. This is released toy that here's, you know, from the Rise of Skywalker. What was the, what was the box description for? Was there any particular 
Uh, was, it just like C, was it just I, like C-3PO with Bowcaster? I'll have to Angry look. Angry Anthony Daniels. So, uh, yes. It's a nice figure. I mean, you can't see it this point, the, but it's just a nice the fact figure. that he's carrying Chewbacca's gear is is unsettling and disturbing. Well, you know, it'd be really unsettling if they turned Empire and they put Chewbacca's remnants in a backpack <laughs> and he <laughs> carried it through. <laughs> kill me, Rise of Chewbacca. What's looking for? Kill me, kill me now. Put me out of my misery. Chewie's urn. He's carrying. Yeah, he's got around. Chewie's urn. So, a nice little metal urn, uh, little Star Wars metal urn. So not to get yeah, not to get a wistful and everything, but you gotta realize. I mean, Anthony. I mean, this is. Anthony Daniels' last movie in the Star Wars movie. Um, uh, Kenny Baker's passed away. Peter Mayhew's passed away. Kenny Fisher passed away. So in many ways, this is kind of like end of an era kind of thing. You know, he's he's the last of the originals. It's going to be him and well, Kenny. Yeah, Mark Hamill. Well, Mark oh, Hamill, yeah. yeah but, and and uh, Harrison Ford, who's never going to die. Right. You know, we, Harrison we, and Mark have died on screen, though. Yes. <laughs> well, we, were, we were talking about, you know, we are talking about, uh, you know, John Williams passing away earlier. Uh, and, like, I would have no problem if at the beginning of this movie, of course, obviously, Carrie Fisher has passed away, but if they, if, they if they killed off Princess Leia, I'd have no problem. Actually, any of the other characters, yeah, I'd be like, oh. But in this movie, if we lose 3PO, R2, Chewbacca, or the Millennium Falcon, oh my God. That's, <laughs> I, will, I will probably start a riot. Those are, <laughs> those are the things that are evergreen to me that it's like, that would be like, watch that, if any one of those went away, it would be like the end of Old Yeller. You know, I think it, uh, just I gotta say buckle up, man. Because yeah. mortality has been a huge theme for the, for the sequel trilogy so far. And, and just like passing of the torch idea of aging and trying to find your place in the world and regrets and things like that nature and people around you are dying and having to come to terms with those things and now the only thing we have going for us is that galaxy's edge has a millennium falcon and chewbacca mm -hmm. so you can't have this like these right, things going right. on and say oh and by the way kids right. in about you know 15 Chewbacca years chewbacca imagine you bring your kids to guys who said you're yeah. skywalker and they see chewy and all of a sudden they're sorry all the kids are bowling <laughs> kids and their parents a, are bowling this is a final day to get pictures with chewbacca <laughs> you better make it count uh, actually i was gonna say right quick i, I read an interview with uh, billy lord uh, carrie fisher's daughter who is in the sequel trilogy mm -hmm. you know she, uh, more discussing her relationship with carrie and with princess leia uh and yeah she mentioned that Right before they were going to start filming Rise of Skywalker, J.J. Abrams came up to her and said, look, we do have all this extra footage that we filmed when we did Force Awakens. We can make it work so we can make it fit into this movie. But of course, we want to get your blessing to make sure right. that this is going to be okay with you. We don't want to do the uh, digital screen uh, uh, recomposition, or, or recomposition that they did for Rogue One. So they wanted to use footage of her as she is, just re, you know, remake it so I can fit in. She said, yeah, absolutely. Because apparently she told her when they were about to finish making Last Jedi, they are like, oh yeah, the first one was Han's. You know, that was Harrison's movie. This one's Mark's. Next one's mine. And she says, that was my only disappointment that she passed away before she got to make the movie where it's all about Princess Leia. So. Mm. so real quick, complete aside, if you guys haven't seen, I believe it's on Netflix, but it might be Amazon. If you haven't seen the Carrie Fisher documentary with her mm -hmm. and her mother, mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's absolutely awesome. It's a beautiful document, and it's hysterical. It's really, oh, yeah. really awesome. Well, that's the thing. It's like she makes comments about how Carrie Fisher was like, you know, very down to earth. Yeah. And very willing to, you know, 
the problem when you're down to earth, but also very intelligent and yeah. witty, you can cut anybody, yeah. you know, to friend, size. A friend of mine, he's actually in the Rebel Legion in Nebraska. He uh, got, um, first of all, he has a great Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Does this great Han Solo, and he has a wig that he puts on everything, and he got his picture taken with Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher looked at him and went, nice hair. <laughs> and, then, and then later... He got, and they kind of like made him go, oh, because you know, he worked so hard on this, and Carrie Fisher like rips him down. Like, two seconds, two seconds, just went, nice hair. So then like, at a later con, he got her to autograph that picture, and um, she said, you know, is there anything, anything you want me to write on that? And he's like, whatever you want. And she wrote, whatever you want, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> so anyway. So that kind of brings us to the, the last thing we're going to talk about. What's because uh, this is shouldn't just be all about Star Wars. Um, it's about what's geeking us out. Um, let's go around the horn, Dave. Starting with you, what what non Star Wars or anything is kind of geeking you out lately? I've I've been uh, playing the uh, Genesis Mini a lot lately. Which is How a, is that? That's a fun thing. Really, man. it I'm looks really to, cool. Like uh, I'm like obsessed with these micro mini consoles from from our youth um, because like you get like 50 games in this tiny little box you don't have to hook up all these crazy wires or anything Um, you don't have to like spend all this money you know trying to come up with a display situation that actually it's, works. It's a bit frustrating when you remember, like, you know, the Genesis, TurboGrafx, all those NES. They were so big and clunky, and then you just had the stacks upon stacks of games that you'd have to take oh, care yeah. of. And now it's, you know, something barely bigger than your phone. It has all those games on it. Yep. You know, and it's just like, all right, well, that was a couple thousand dollars of my childhood. Kind of <laughs> right. It's cut down to 56 bucks. Yeah, know? I mean, at minimum, hundreds and hundreds of dollars of entertainment for like, you know, 80 bucks or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, highly endorsed. So, love it. So what's your favorite game on the, on the Genesis? Oh, well, Sonic 2 still, like all these years later. That, yeah. was, that was my favorite back then. Do you, do you have, so do you have a hot take on the Sonic controversy? Oh, the new what, Sonic. What Sonic look like oh, and what Sonic yeah. looks like now? Um... You're going to have to explain this one to me. This is where okay. it goes, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, several months back, uh, they're making a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And several months back, they released the trailer for this movie. And the Sonic the Hedgehog character looked like a demon from hell, oh, basically. Oh, it looked horrible. Like, I mean, <laughs> words can't describe how bad it looked. <laughs> it looked nothing like the original character. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, see, yeah, that's the original. That's what they beefed him up to. And and so, See, but the one on the right kind of looks like what I remember from video games. Yep, there you go. That's exactly, that's the idea. Exactly. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, so they've they've so redesigned the, one, the, the them. one on the left is the. Well, that was the one that everybody saw. That, that everybody original. went. No, that that looks hideous. That looks terrible. Oh, the one on the left, yeah. The one yeah, that left. was the original. The one with the teeth. That they screwed up. Oh, then, okay. So and, they fixed it. And All right, they fixed it. it. Yeah, to recently. the filmmakers' credit, the backlash was so intense that they delayed the release of the film, and they went back and said, you know what. You guys are right? We're going to go back. We're going to CGI a new Sonic. So they, they pushed it back like a year to put a new Sonic in. So I got to give them credit for that, you know? Right. Props for actually. Oh, I'm sure the public was beating it. down the doors for oh, a no Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, five people I show up yeah. to see it. I mean, I got to say, I don't really care that much either way. But right. It's like, eh, you know, it's something to talk about on Twitter. Um, but so yeah. Of the, of the mini consoles, because yeah. you, you have. The, I, have the, I have the NES Mini, the Super NES Classic, and the Genesis. So Mini. which one do you dig the most? The Super NES. Really? Yeah. See, what? I still have my 
original Super NES yeah. back in that room and actually with the Super Star Wars games. So if we want to relive the Jawa slaughter, you know, from That's, chapter that two. one level. Oh, my God. That <laughs> level was horrible. <laughs> and I and it's still horrible because I, I, have, the, uh, I have a Wii U um, and I got it. You can get it, you can get all of all the Super Star Wars on the Wii U for you know five bucks. It was five bucks a piece. So I got Star Wars. I remember when I was a kid when I played it as like a you know a, a young adult, twenty one or nineteen, eighteen, whatever, playing it. Man, this is such a great Star Wars game. And now I get it and I put it up and the damn sand crawler, man. It's just it's still as brutal, <laughs> still as it's you know. And I'm like you know what I haven't, I haven't played it past that. Luke is still sand crawler in my game, still waiting, you know. So. I just want to say, Nintendo, you can kiss my... My funky. <laughs> Games are harder back then. They, they just were. were. Man, they there were was no... You know, the whole idea you have now with like games like Dark Souls where it's like, oh, get good, or, or you know, that some people demand an easy mode. Games back then did not have an easy mode. It was, you better learn how to push that button and then angle yourself in such a way to get past this level, or that was 40 bucks, you just wasted, yeah, kid. you better be up, down, you, up, down, A, B, A, B, A, B, star. Yeah, ma- Merry Christmas, you just yeah. wasted 40 bucks on a game you can't finish. So, Fredo, what's geeking you out? Uh, so, for one, uh, since I've mostly been out of town, I've been enjoying Disney+. Plus. Uh, the thing I've been enjoying the most is going back and watching the old, the old 90s cartoons. So, like, Darkwing Duck, Gargoyles, Tailspin. Which one's your favorite? Uh, Gargoyles. Gargoyles was good. It was yeah. really good. Gargoyles. Gargoyles was dark. Well, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> it's a Disney cartoon, and you can totally see all the Disney underpinnings, and then you're like, but, but this is about warriors who got... Curse into being this. You're like, that, this is this is not necessarily for kids. And it's like, wow. I just remember watching it all when I was, you know, stuck in like after school programs or whatever, you know, doing work, you know, homework, whatever, and just simply watching that stuff. So it was, it was, it's awesome to kind of just watch it and with a new perspective. You know, it's different way to see it. Uh, other thing I've been doing, I've been playing The Outer Worlds, which um, video game. Heard that's really good. It's really awesome. It's really awesome. If you like RPGs. It's kind of like if you were to take like the most cynical elements of Star Wars, mix mm-hmm. it with Firefly, mix it with some of the traditional RPG stuff that people who do that design, and it's just it's really fun. It's very satirical against corporate structure yeah. because it's set in a in a distant future where you know humanity's colonized a distant uh, solar system, and it's all owned by the corporations. So like they might come after you for killing somebody, not because you killed them, but because that's destruction of corporate property so it's got kind of a sharp satire tongue but it's really fun really engaging yeah. so between those two things and mandalorian cool right uh on hbo i am currently enthralled with Watchmen. Yes. i absolutely the graphic novel is possibly one of my favorite novels of all time and i will say this if you have never read Watchmen. You are complete. You're going to be completely lost with the HBO series, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not going to be a lot of people watching this series. But if you've, re- I rewatchment every year, and if you've poured over it, it's like a gift from that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons gave you. That they want. Well, Dave Gibbons will have a part of it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And if you love Watchmen, you will love that show because it's just, you can see the skeleton of Watchmen and everything with that show, and it's. Awesome. And the little throwaway lines, the whole thing with, uh, you know, what's funny, here's something, like, it's educational. 
uh, Watchmen start. The first episode of Watchmen starts off with Black Wall Street and, then, yeah, and that, the Tulsa that, riots. The Tulsa riots in like 1921, and I never realized that was a thing. I thought this was something that they did dramatically to, to push a really important story beat on. And then you go back and look at historically, this happened. It was a real. I never knew that it was a real thing, and they just kind of wiped it out of the mm-hmm. history books. And Watchmen is dealing a lot with race and the mask we wear. And what we present to each other, and what we what we really are, and it's a really interesting show. And then the second thing is the uh, Amazon Walking Simulator, Amazon Delivery Walking <laughs> Simulator, known as That's Death Yes, I, I had to get that, and uh, it's. I so mean, I'm, I'm engrossed with it. I am in serious fight with my brother because he hates the idea of it just being a walking simulator. He's a guy who loves all the Dark Souls games, all right, the right, right. Bloodborne, all like you know, like I said, get good, and uh-huh. you know. It's gonna. It's got a hard wall that you gotta overcome, and it's like right. I don't think I want to do this because it's just you know ten hours. Of, the first ten hours is just carrying stuff you know on your back across a digital world, and you can trip, fall, and fall over, and just lose everything. Look, I'm fascinated with it. it's Kojima, and mm-hmm. I wasn't a. I was a fan of the early Metal Gear games, but the last Metal Gear games went off the cliff, <laughs> and I think I like the fact that without that tactical espionage put into it, Kojima's Kojima's just. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, he's. He has no subtlety. His scripts are like getting hit in the face with a mm-hmm. with a mallet. But it's so, it's so batshit insane. It's crazy. It's awesome. Mads Mikkelsen is in it. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro is in it. Uh, Norman Reedus and the crazy fetus, as they call it, because you wear that baby on your chest and you got to rock like, it. You got to rock the baby, and there's a control. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm gonna go on a tangent here for a second. So the whole thing is. You got these things called the BTs, you know, like the bad ghosts, right? And they, they fly around, they float, and you gotta fight them and blah, blah, all this and that. And it's, it's a long convolute. It doesn't make any sense, but it's really weird and kind of cool. But the thing that helps you detect these things is this baby that they put in a big symbiotic jar that Norman Reedus basically attaches to his chest. And when the baby detects the BTs, you know, she he lets you know, and then if they attack you or you get attacked, whatever, he gets upset and you have to sue him. So you take the baby off and there's a button combination where you rock, you, you rock the controller to rock the baby. But the funny part is, and you know, if you rock him just right and you rock him long enough, the baby calms down and the baby's happy. And a little baby in the jar makes googly noise and a little heart You rock him too hard But to if get you arrested. rock him, like if you shake the baby, <laughs> it's great. you can shake him as hard as you want. And the video is just him just shaking the baby. <laughs> it is hideous. And the baby gets upset. The baby starts crying more. And you can just shake the heck out of that baby as much as you want. But no, honestly, it's a really cool game. It's like a meditative game. It's like playing Zen. Because you're right, you do walk, but there's something intrinsically awesome about the way the game mechanics work and the fact that you are playing a single-player single, single player game, but they designed it where there are servers, and on the back end of it, everyone else is building stuff in their worlds, but it's also bleeding over into your world. So if you walk down, you walk down this one mountain, there's going to be a bridge, or there's going to be a river, and you can give people likes to let them know you use it and you like them. And if someone's building a road, you can put you can put materials into that road to keep building it. And everyone goes back and forth. Like if you walk to this box, you can put boots in this box. And then if another player's walking and he sees it in his world, he can open it up and take the boots and put them on. So that interconnectivity is really interesting. And it's dude, it's, it's ridiculous. I can't even begin to describe the game because it's nonsense. It's utter nonsense plot wise, but it's fascinating. 
know? It's the kind of thing only somebody like Kojima could do. Exactly. It's, it's like, like there's it's, there's a few right, tours right, right, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you have to play because if you like if you're a big fan of video games, it's one of those things I feel you have to play because it's just it's like an independent Resident Evil horror film hmm. or something. It's it's so it's it's out there. So, so there you go. So my thing, and not I. I I guess I need to play more video games. <laughs> <laughs> there is a new Star Wars video game out. I've, uh, Don't feel bad. Right. I'm still in 1991. <laughs> you know, I've been, there's, like I would say there's a couple things I'm kind of geeking out over. It's uh, There's a couple things in Disney Plus that I think people should... That, well, they're just kind of hidden. High School Musical. You know, know you love that, it, right? Encore. That's it. That's it. That's what it is. Uh, no, one was the... Uh, there's a whole documentary on the Apollo program. Which yeah, I want to find that one. That's still about that earlier. You, you just still you watch that and it's like, how, I, you don't I don't know how you. How did I, we do that? Right. That's that's because I don't thing. see today's world doing that. No. Um, the other thing is um, there's a whole series um, on Disney Imagineering. Right. Which looks mm-hmm. really and, good. And actually, they're doing the same thing with the Mandalorian. Each week, there's a new episode. So and actually, that's the thing I do like about. I've heard some criticism of Disney Plus. We talked about it last week. I do like that they're going one episode a week. Yeah, that's a good question. Would you rather have the one episode a week? Or would you rather have a streaming where they dump I, everything and you binge it? I mean, I I always I, that was one thing I hated about with uh, with Stranger Things was that they dump it all and then you've got to yeah you can watch it then at your leisure, but you've got to really mind your p's and q's on Twitter. You're right. You're you right. Know? So. That is a good point because it kind of brings back the community of talking about episodes because, you know, it comes out once a week when you're having a discussion with your buddies about what's going on. Everyone's on the same page. I don't have to worry yeah. about, you know, All right. I'm on. What, what episode are you on? Well, I'm on six. Well, I got to eight, so I have to watch what I say around you, you know. And, and it's, it is there is the excitement in looking forward to something, you know. It's what is the Mandalorian going to be this week? You know, what are they going to do this week? I think that's part of the reason the Yoda baby's all over the internet at this point. It's because, like, people worried about spoilers and stuff. It's like, I don't want to spoil it for, like, people in Europe who can't watch this show yet. Who are not getting it right. until March. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> USA, yeah. USA. But, but you know what they said? That they get they get Rise of Skywalker 24 hours earlier. Oh, they so do? They, yep. Oh, well, there they They're going to spoil the heck the out of that. They're, they're promising the to spoil that. Yeah. I just think that um, it's interesting to me because, like, we it is coming out every week and in theory we're all watching it every week I know that's not the case but um, I think people are more comfortable just letting that, that that sort of information just fly at this point and and everybody has a Mandalorian podcast too yeah yeah no, I realized that after we started I was like oh that's, good. that's like the two things that are going to be really popular on the podcast side it's Mandalorian podcast and on the artist side everyone's going to want Mandalorian and Yoda Babies mm-hmm. commissions now you know for us it was just this is just a way to get us podcasting you know it was the easy easy way in so um so with that i guess just real quick round the horn what the new episodes dropping tomorrow what do you think is going to happen Dave, uh, okay so i don't think it's going to necessarily happen in this episode but i'm calling it now that i think yoda baby's going to die i think at some oh, point oh, 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 <laughs> exactly oh, I, I and that's why your, i admire your I've never seen something so universally beloved in all my life, and I don't believe that Filoni and 
on it. knew ahead of time that this creature was going to be as beloved as it was, and I think they had plans to kill it off, uh-huh. story-wise. So um, that's my that's my prediction that that's going to happen at some point. So everybody's got to get ready for that's that. How, that's, is that how Gina? See, it made C three PO faint. Um, I know. Right? <laughs> Gina Gina Carano's going to that's her entrance. She's going to walk in and gun down baby. Oh, it's just like she just walks in right off screen and shoots him. Fredo, or Bill Burr. That was actually going to be my thing. I think next episode we get Gina Carano. I think uh, now that he's off-planet and he's trying to bring it back, it's going to be interesting. Cause I think the, if we have another episode of the Ugnaught, the Mandalorian, and the Yoda baby, then people might start getting a little antsy. Exactly. Right. So yeah. I think we're going to get back to the whole idea of the guild. We still haven't seen what's going to come out of IG-11's shooting, uh, the Mandalorian shooting IG-11. I want to see if they're going to have another modeled available but I definitely think we finally get Gina Carano in because somebody's got to come after him uh, after you know all the other bounty hunters that came after him died yeah. I'll say Taika is directing the final episode so if Ooh. we have an IG return it might be the final that would episode. be the perfect time for it it would be the perfect time yeah so Ryan what do you think is going to happen uh, I think that there's going to be some sort of complication that pushes him to the side so that he has to go to another den of scum and villainy to get some information and I think that's probably like Fredo was saying we're going to see either Gina Carano and Bill Burr or both of them because the one thing I've, I've noticed now is that Disney never actually said, you know, they said we're doing a season of The Mandalorian so everybody thought, oh, 10 episodes one hour long. I don't think Disney ever actually clarified how long those episodes were going to be. So they still have a lot of stuff they have to toss in and they're kind of moving like a movie because I don't think we'll see Nick Nolte again as much as we want to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we'll see IG-88, but I think IG-11, I'm sorry. But I think we will. So they got it. They've got what six episodes left. They got to yep. drop. They got to get these characters in. They hyped them, so they got to show up now. You know, sooner sooner rather than later. See, I think that we're going to find out that at least IG Eleven, his mark was the Mandalorian. Mandalorian's going to figure that out. Is that they sent IG Eleven for him, and he's going to do a reprogramming a la K two S O to bring him on to his side possible so that's that's my kind of thought i don't know though because it, it, it is very so that ig11 no and lone wolf and cub so i don't know if they want to give him a like a, a sidekick maybe not until he maybe to the last episode when he does yeah. drop him off and at that point but see here's but, but see uh, this again that's where i think it's going is that he's going his his world view is getting broader i mean obviously he's like i said Weapon is my religion, but I really love this cute little Yoda baby. Yoda baby. He's going to adopt him. It's going to turn into so, and he's, a bounty hunter. He bounty hunters and a does lady. everything by himself, but he wants the Ugnaught to to join his crew. You know, so I think he's he's growing. He, he's growing as you know an individual. So yeah, he recognizes he needs help. I think yeah. at this point, and um, <laughs> whether he gets it ultimately. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that he might. I don't know what form it'll take, but I mean, like, obviously he's got Yoda baby on his side right now, but I don't, obviously, I don't think that's going to last, but. Uh. Okay, so then, real quick, here's a question Mandalorian, is he as good as everyone says he is, or just kind of really lucky and kind of riding his, riding the good luck that he's had? I think he's good. I think what it is, what it's showing you, though, is. The limitations than being the lone gunslinger in the galaxy is, you know, like you were saying in regards to, he's learning that power of teamwork. Mandalorians is about a clan, right? It's not 
He's not about an individual. individual. Right. So. But he's someone who presented from the outset as being by himself. He's got nobody. You know, he made an, an offering to uh, Nick Nolte, Ocknock, Quill, whatever his name is, you know, to join his crew. Somebody got to fix it's, that carbon freezing in his, in his ship. Exactly. Got to keep an eye so on it. the idea of, maybe, you know, that, you know, learning how to expand his universe, as you put it, beyond himself is... It may lead to or towards all that. You know? I mean, it's a major theme when, uh, just in terms of the baby, you mm -hmm. know, like I, the lone wolf and cub, like right. you're talking about. It's like I have to take care of this thing now, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it'd be fun to see it progress even further beyond so, that. So does he turn the baby over? Now the obvious mm -hmm. answer is he doesn't. Right. But do you think he does? Do you think? Where do you think this show's going to go with that? I, 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 I don't think he does. I think he somehow figures out a way to, to get his money or maybe when it comes down to the exchange of handing off the Yoda baby for the money, he grabs the money, shoots his way out and is on the run from Bernard Herzog and the Kaminoan. But, um, well, I guess we'll find out in a few hours when it drops, right? At midnight if you're Stay awake. Late. So, um, Ignore your parents, kids. Stay up late. Disney Plus. Twenty seven right. So What do they know? For Dave, Ryan, and Fredo and myself. Oh, real quick, just hold oh, on one second. Oh, my goodness. Let's say, because uh, you mentioned Rise of Skywalker cameos. Pedro Pascal is this actual movie actor. Is there a chance he's in Rise of Skywalker? Well, everyone's talking about Yoda, baby, being in Rise of Skywalker. Do you think he shows up? Maybe we digest that and discuss it. Aha, that's called a teaser, kids. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, from the Houdat Jedi, we will see you next week. Enjoy The Mandalorian. Enjoy Disney Plus. And everybody have a great week. Houdat. Houdat. Houdat.